Hey, Marcus, you like movies? Yes, I do. Hey, Marcus, you like vodka sauce? Yeah. Yo, vodka sauce is so good. Yeah. Depending on what it's on, it's it's like amazing. I know. I had a I had a slice of pizza today with it was like just like that's good. It was instead of tomato sauce, it was vodka sauce. Yeah. Depending on how you could take the crust off first, dip it on the pizza, then eat crustless pizza. Do it in do it in reverse. You have like a dipping thing. Well, that's 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 more Chicago style or this or new like artichoke stuff. Fat guy shit. Like when you have like sour cream just to dip the the crust in. This is Zebras in America podcast. Thankfully, um, I don't fuck with sour cream. I never have, uh, except in in potato chip form. I'm I'm Jewish. It's my blood type. Is that a thing? I didn't know that. Uh, it, well, right. It's like overly generalizing to say all Jews like sour cream. But though I'd say it's probably true. Um, oh. Except for like the lactose intolerant ones, but even the lactose intolerant ones probably like it too. Right. I mean, the thing is, like, Jews are not monolithic. We're actually quite homogenous. So, Eastern European Jews and really Eastern European people in general fucking love sour cream. Okay. I could eat sour cream. Like, oh, like. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, man. Uh, okay. It's funny you had that. I have. I should say I was just present at a conversation. I I offered nothing because it was one of the, just be quiet and let the conversation happen. But my girlfriend's father is Jewish, and he talked about the fact how he's like, no, I'm like a like a hard liquor cigar smoking like you know one of those kind. And I was just like, oh, uh huh. <coughs> I just didn't want to offer anything, but like I get it. And then he even I'm not not like you know, and they said like. His wife said the the nebbish kind or that, and I was just like, oh, just yeah. get me out of this. But no, I, 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 I think you played. I think you did the right. I think you played it well. Because I've been in conversations where I talk about blackness with like an uncomfortable white person, and didn't realize until after the fact. But I yeah. mean, you make me uncomfortable every time I offer you certain fruits. You tell me I'm being racist. I'm just saying, this is like the third time something watermelons come up. It's enough to be like, I know you're not, but it's enough to it's enough to comment on the third time, third well, different form. One was like watermelon form. One had something to do with like a drink, a beverage, and this time it was candy. You got to admit, it's like three times in a row. Or point. maybe I really like the flavor of watermelon. I don't doubt that. I, I don't like watermelon is my favorite fruit. Okay. It because it helps me hydrate, but it also gives me nourishment and sugar. I'm trying to lose weight, so so in like nice. instead of eating candy, uh-huh. I'll eat like a piece of watermelon. By a piece of watermelon, I mean like half of a watermelon. I was gonna say it, it, it kind of shows oh. in the upper like thanks body region. <laughs> um, so you were you were you we tried you were not here last week. No, but we're you know we tried something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saskia was on instead of you, yeah, and she can never replace you, which she said many times on the show. Of course, but I fine. thought I thought it was cool and it was a great way to keep the episode the show weekly. I gotta and say it, she's <clears> Jim <throat> Norton. Do I open and Anthony? Right now she is. She's Jim Norton in it right now. Yeah. Um. So uh, we got we got two emails. Nice. Uh, first one is uh, from from a gentleman named Justin Glover. Says, "What's good, bro?" Ran across you on SC a little bit ago. Keep working, really see potential. Had to like and sub, man, for real. Do me a favor, return the love. Oh, that's spam. 
That's spam, Justin One of Glover. Those. One of those. One of those. What's good, bro? I'm not going to follow your SoundCloud yeah. thing. If, if you are a real person, no, it's not happening. Yeah. Moving well, on. What are you going to What are you going to do, Justin? Are you related to Donald Glover and have him check out SoundClouds to steal other people's music? I was going to say, next thing you know, I'll have a podcast called Zebras in America. Yeah. <laughs> This is, this is Zebras in America? Yeah, this is Zebras in America. Yeah. This is Zebras in America! Yeah. Pharaohs, or something. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll, I guess we'll bookmark that for a second. Yeah. Uh, and, and NVP, uh, email writer, Melissa Silvestri. Sure. Writes, solid episode last week. Hi, Scott. That was a very emotionally deep episode you did last week, talking about suicide prevention. It was very heartfelt, and I appreciate the hard work that you've done to raise money for prevention efforts. The reasons behind suicide can be complex and mixed, and I have a lot of sympathies for those who are going through mental health struggles, as well as for the people left afterwards. Thank you very much for your dedication and care, and I wish the best for you. Well, thank you, Melissa. That's very yeah. nice to say. Very nice. On a lighter note, I want—I now want to watch Red Oaks, even though I don't have Amazon Prime because of the great indie filmmakers you mentioned who directed episodes. <clears throat> well, you should. I'm not going to give you my password because you could—you know—I'm not—I'm—I'm I'm not giving people my password right now. But I feel like there are ways that you could check it out. I really recommend it. It's my favorite TV. It might be like top five TV shows. Red Oaks, man. Nice. I had 49 people attached to my Hulu account couple weeks ago before i had to change it yeah some it, it just gets i just realized like someone someone bought some shit on my amazon prime account oh yeah it wasn't no, no, theft no, no, no. it wasn't theft it was accidental it was just because like they wanted to you know they'll watch like episodes of goliath or bosh and then buy like you know caramel apple making things <laughs> i've had that happen before but it was with itunes it's like your computer is like authorized and then something happened yeah. and then like I didn't buy this album, but Marcus, you gotta check out Red Oaks. I really, it's it's awesome. I I didn't think I was gonna like it as much as I did, and I I got legitimately sad when it ended. Okay. Um, Blackjack looked like a lot of fun from its trailer, and reminded me of when I used to be really into low budget action and martial arts movies, and that mm. I was impressed by Dolph Lundgren's acting in Universal Soldier, that I just mm. saw for the first time recently on Hulu. Nice. He gave a very sad and tragic quality to his damaged villain character, and his mental breakdown in the supermarket scene was one of the standout moments of the film, and awesome. showcased how great of an actor Lundgren can be when given the right material. Astute observation, Melissa. I agree. Yeah, I have to say, I've been. Um, I appreciate that. I've been. I've really been digging. Um, do you read uh, Vern on films? No. It's uh, Vern's reviews on the films of cinema, which is a great tagline. <laughs> it's a great tagline. Uh, he writes about. Well, he writes about literally everything, and like, he's big into like. He'll write about some Dolph Lundgren films, some Fred Williamson. Oh, I didn't even mean... I, that was totally unintentional. Fred they, Williamson they is in Blackjack. Black. That, that's why I stopped in my tracks. But basically, Vern's the kind of guy... And Bucktown. Yes. He would write... He'll write about... He'll he'll kind of say something like Melissa just said. We're just like... I think we all know there are people who do legitimately enjoy like the action films, but still in a somewhat cynical, pitchfork media, williamsburg yeah. kind of way. But that that wasn't the case with Melissa, and that's not the case. So let, also, let me give an endorsement to uh, to, to Vern yeah, on, so on, on all, films. And it says, yeah. all the best, Melissa. Yeah. And it's true. Thank you. Uh, his performance in that movie is, is... I mean, Dolph Lundgren is actually a really good actor, and there's... I, I'd say there's three good Universal Soldier movies. 
I'd go so far as to say four, but yeah, there but, might be four. Whatever. Like it's debatable. The thing is, like, um, oh, we have so much to talk about. But since this is a quite a really good leeway, before we go to blackjack, can I talk about a movie I saw over the weekend? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I saw a bunch of movies, mm-hmm. but some of them I can give like one sentence reviews. Hey, Amen. Tag. I wish it was better. Okay. Jer- Jeremy Renner took away from it. Uh, incredible. Took away from it. Yeah. Oh, that's even worse. See, off record, for you guys <clears throat> that don't know, Scott texted me his disappointment with the movie, but I didn't know. See, I wanted at least Jeremy Renner to be like the good thing about it. No, no, everyone else really killed it, but the character Jeremy Renner's character uh, made it such a Hollywood film that it was that it that it took away. There are some legit great things in the movie, but. Mm-hmm. But it was and Hannibal Burris always. Okay. Um, See, th- that's good because I'm not a Hannibal. I love him, but I'm also keep it real. He's not an always guy for me. No, he's good in this. He's good. good. Everyone's good. good. I just think Jeremy, even Jeremy Renner is good at the character given him. But it, it his character is so over the top. He was like essentially playing Hawkeye, and and yeah. it just didn't quite work. It took away some of the verisimilitude, sure. if you will. Sure. Incredibles two, uh, not it was it was, it was okay. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be better. Okay. The intro film, Bow, was amazing. Okay. It was so good, it made me cry. But Incredibles 2, uh, you know. Um, and there's some other stuff, but... If you're not going to... Are you going to get into them real quick? Uh, uh, kick, Kickboxer 2, Retaliation. That's why I was, I was thinking Dolph Lundgren, then I was thinking Universal Soldier, I was thinking Van right. Damme. It's a uh, Kickboxer 2, Retaliation, the sequel to the Kickboxer movie made like two years ago. Yeah, I saw it over the weekend. See, I get confused. I also just I, I didn't want. Now I'm like tripping up the whole thing. I, I did want to say, I saw Game Night and it was everything I wanted to be and more. But going back to see, I, I just to say, I get a little tripped up, just like with Universal Soldier, because there's like two Universal Soldier twos. Right. There's technically there's two Kickboxer twos. That's true. I so I get and, and I know that like that goes to show I know them all. So. Kickboxer two, the original Kickboxer two, with Cody from with Step Cody by Step. from Step by Step, written by David S. Goyer. Yeah. is not a terrible movie. It, no, it, it definitely isn't. And I also love the fact how I saw that movie first before... I mean, I was watching Step by Step in that at the same time, but there was I remember there was this whole thing. I just assumed that Kickboxer 2 was released in theaters and everybody who saw it, even though it wasn't Van Damme, because there was the episode of Step by Step. Because, you know, Cody was, like, real dumb yeah. on Step by Step, but there was that one episode where he saves them, suddenly, like, oh, shit, Cody knows martial arts? And everyone, like, came to school the next day because, you know, it was part of TGIF. And then I was just like, what do you mean? You didn't see Kickboxer 2? And my friends were like, there's a Kickboxer? Like, of course there's a Kickboxer 2. He knows martial arts. But it that was like, I didn't know the diff- I didn't know what direct-to-video was at, People at that People don't know about the... Not everyone, uh, and what it seems like your boy Vern and other people understand, yeah. is that if you can just enjoy things for what they are, there are some really good direct-to-video sequels. Absolutely. And sometimes they become part of their own thing. Like, like Undisputed 3 is, like, better than Undisputed 1. And yeah. I was disappointed with how I thought Boyka was, was a missed opportunity. That's Undisputed 4. So for people unfamiliar, Undisputed was a movie where, like, Ving Rhames and Eddie Murphy... Not Eddie Murphy, <laughs> oh, Wesley Snipes. Oh, boy. Let's go back to that watermelon. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on. Oh, you know, you know. Wesley um, Snipes and Ving Rhymes. Yeah. Ving Rhymes. Yeah. No, Ving Rhymes is if uh, Leanne Rhymes and Ving Rhymes had a child. Or if someone tried to be like a clever raptor, rapper, I'm raptor. Ving Rhymes. I'm... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Bling Rhymes. That's better. Yeah. 
But would they get that? Or Bling Rames. Bling Rames. But then the Rames rhymes is too close. But yeah, anyway. Ving yeah, rhymes. Yeah, yeah. Ving rhymes works. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how popular he is these days, so I don't think it's going to happen. Sure. Maybe if Mission Impossible 7's a huge hit. Damn what the sickness. Got that Arby's money. Right. It's horsey sauce. Is, I, uh, I gotta say. <laughs> Undisputed. Wesley yeah. Snipes, Ving Rhames, they have their boxers and they fight. In prison. In prison. Which I gotta say is also just a, a respectful, because I like both movies. Have you said the penitentiary films? Right. Where Leon Isaac Kennedy goes to prison and he becomes a boxer. But also, that was also a nod to Mike Tyson being in prison and the boxer and even the crime that Ving Rhames commits right. in the movie. That's, it's literally, they're trying to, you know. And you just gave me an awesome alley-oop because out of nowhere in Kickboxer 2-2, two, two, yeah. Kickboxer Retaliation, yeah. I had I was not expecting this. I was just like, I'm going to go Oh, I didn't home. know the context. I thought you knew. When I you, didn't. You t- just I like, didn't. hey, I'm seeing this. but like I, I thought, didn't, bro. Oh, okay. I was mind. just like, I came home. I was like, I'm going to cook myself a steak and watch Kickboxer. Because I like Kickboxer. I like the remake of Kickboxer enough that I was like... And I also just happen to like kickboxing movies. I like direct-to-video sequels. Yeah. I enjoy them. Yeah. They give me joy. Yeah. Sue me. Please don't. I don't have enough money. Um, Sue yourself, because that's a legitimate statement. Yeah. I just... I like it. I like what I like. I was talking uh, to other people when I said sue yourself, right. just so you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm watching and like, he's fighting all these, the, the kickboxer dude is fighting all these people in Thailand, in a Thailand prison. And then like, he upsets this meditating dude and the meditating dude is Mike Tyson and he punches him. I was not, I did not know that was happening. So I, I rewinded, took a video and sent it to you because I was not expecting that and I loved it. Yeah. I think just like, I think Mike Tyson likes being in movies in Thailand. Sure. There's a um... hangover two. Hangover 2. Uh, oh, this isn't exactly Thailand, but it's still within the realm. He he was in a Ip Man, one of those Ip Man movies. Really? Uh, fighting Donnie Yen. Yeah. Weird. He's recently, he's in a movie with Steven Seagal where they fight also. He's doing, he's trying to do his thing. Yeah, he's a complicated character and I hope he finds Ooh. some peace. Yeah, I'll say it on here. Can I get some more of those um, candies? Sure. I got a little blood sugar for those who are listening. It always happens. I don't think I need to be... Uh, well, I'm actually on a sliding scale, so I don't need to take insulin all the time regardless, but I don't think I need it in general because it literally always happens. But anyway, um, yeah, I think it might be a few years too sh- too late, but they're getting their use out of it. It's like, you know, whatever. I'm talking about Mike Tyson being in films like this, but... Yeah, I mean, works. you know... Oops, sorry, guys. He's got to do He's got to do what he's got to do. He, does, he can't fight. Uh, you know, uh, Don King allegedly takes a lot of money from the fighters that he promotes. Oh, no, no, allegedly. This, you saw that, that video that went around last week, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm allegedly. That's all I'm saying. Oh, someone asked Don King, there was like a whole crowd of people at some promotion, and they were like, Don King, uh, he was bold. He's like, why'd you take all that money from Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali and whatnot? And he was just like, because they let me do it. And it was like some kind of thing. It was like, all right, you know what, you... And Don, King, and, and Don King was famously played by Ving Rhames. Hell yeah. Who won an award. Great performance, yeah. And gave it to Carrie Ulwis. <laughs> no, he didn't. You're getting... I get what you're doing, but you kind of went... It was... So in the movie... Or was wow. it Matthew Modine? Yeah, in the movie, Damon Wayne. <laughs> this is the second time in the show. This is the second time yeah. on the show where I've where I've 
I've said Ving Rhames gave the thing to Carrie Ulwes. It was in, in Bamboozled. Damon gave it to Wayne, Matthew Modine. Damon Wayans. Which it. represented when Ving Rhames gave it to Jack Lemmon. Yeah, because Spike Lee was, was very judgmental of yeah. other people. I re- was? Uh, I really... I really thought it was that movie where Ving Rhames played the, 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 the transgendered woman. He played a transgendered woman? Yeah. It wasn't that movie. but oh, He absolutely did. But he won an award. I don't think it was that. I he, thought he yeah. won for Don King. I think you're right. No, I, I, no because timing-wise, it would have had to have been for, before 1999. And that, the, yeah. And the transgender was like, it was like right at 99 or 2000. And it was Don King. This is America. Yeah. This is, yeah, yeah. So so this week it was revealed that there's a song that came out two years ago called American Pharaoh. Yes. Which bears a in my opinion Our. Say our our opinion. Uh uh just glaring uh similarities to the song This Is America. <clears throat> yeah. I got I'll 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 keep my rant, my rant shortened because we have other stuff to talk to because there's some there, there's some I, I wanna dig deep a little bit into blackjack and something else. But there's just a history. There's a factual history of multiple offenses that I myself have done and others have done of just like popular artists legitimately, no questions asked, taking from unknown or just strongly lesser known artists. From Pharrell in that Girl Talk video, that shit is flagrant. From something that I like. I mean, others did it before me, but I'm just going to say I think I did it the best. Uh, the lemonade comparison of Beyonce taking from well, I guess he's more your friend, although I've I've worked with him as well. Uh, uh, Cavalier, um, Jay Z, uh, no Kanye, just literally ripping off from Death Grips. Who, if you want to get deep into it, Death Grips is someone who's taken from Blackie. Uh, you know, like like I mean, and, and also, that can branch off. But also, um, but I love Death Grips. There also last week Nas and Kanye came out with an album. Yeah, for like. 36 hours, and then it didn't matter anymore, because I, some of the people I just spoke about uh, came out with uh, an album, but yeah. Go, no, but, but I mean, but, that's yeah. just also the ephemeral nature of, of music these days, Yeah. but someone found that Kanye may have lifted the, the one of the beats <clears throat> from a, a Nas remix album from SoundCloud. Yeah. Like, the same exact beat from a Nas song, same tempo, same yeah. chop. Also, I'm just saying. Same te- no, same tempo, same chop from this producer who's associated with uh, the rapper Hus Kingpin. Oh, so, so yeah, this is a whole other thing. I'm just saying, yeah. like, 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 I don't know. Just like, I think, I think, I, I don't know. I, you know, and I know. Okay. I think in this particular be- because, case, be- because because I was I was very upset with with that episode of Atlanta. We were upset. We you, were. You could, you could use the the, uh, the plural because I I thought I thought. Whoever wrote that episode had seen Whiteface by M2 McGann. Yeah. That's what I believe. Me too. I think the lifting of this song was even more egregious. Yeah. And I just think it's really shitty because yeah. I, I have it on good opinion. Not that, that this is a known thing about the Charlie, uh, not Charlie, um, the, the Charles Cambino thing. But I, I know, I have it on good good authority that that um, people, that A&R is just score over SoundCloud for content. Of course, like, of course. That has no copyright and just t- and get people to tweak it. Yeah. D- did you know, so before like SoundCloud in the early 2000s when <coughs> this is the, this is the, this was a thing, I don't know if pe- people remember when Limp Biscuit, when the, the, the guy who dressed up in Limp Biscuit, the guitarist left the group 
West Borland? I don't remember. His but they but West they, Borland. But they were doing like a battle of the guitar people at, at guitar centers around the nation. And you came in and played your own stuff. And then like the album that came out after that whole guitar player search came out, there were a couple of fences where like guys from all over were like, oh, that sounds like the riffs that I was playing when they were trying to pick. Uh, and a couple of us, oh, me too. So it's just like... It's a thing, and, and, but it's always been a thing. And it just it just sucks for the artist because then you have to be the bigger man. That's why that's why I'm I'm a little infuriated because it's like it's true like you're the bigger man. People give you a pat on the back and it's like look he's being because that's what a lot of people on Twitter were saying because that 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 rapper addressed it and he casually was just like hey it would have been nice to get a shout out but whatever it's nice to have possibly like he played it super cool. But my whole thing is, I'm coming from the perspective... I don't know that... I'm sure behind closed doors, he may have a different opinion. Of course. And that's what annoys me, because I think, like, if you're humble, you get a pat on the back and nothing else. And I'm sorry, at this at this point in life, uh, most of my friends, I guess myself included, are artists. And, I, and some of my friends who are super talented can't live off of their art. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think there's still... And there's always going to be that stigma of just, like... Wanting to get paid for your art. Some people are... Bl- I'm not... Any- like, if you do something great and someone takes that or takes elements of it or just takes it and they make money off of it, that I think that is an offense. Like, I'm sure... Just knowing what we know, this guy doesn't live off of his music, but that one song, the hype around that one song has generated enough income to have someone sit comfortably for a little while. And that's what annoys me, and that and that happens in a lot of cases. So that's what bothers me. Yeah, and then and then I get and then Childish Gambino's manager just was like blamed it on white people. What? What happened? Yeah, because I stopped. I I, I read the Pitchfork thing, and it was a quick blurb, but I didn't re- like I I didn't know anything about the blaming on white. But what did that? He what, was what like he was like blame it on white journalists for trying to discredit black artists. Huh. And the the record's three years old. I have Pro Tools files to prove it. And then uh, and then it also said like, "Go fuck your moms." Well, I'm a black person who writes stuff on the internet. I don't know if I call myself a journalist, but I made the comparison between Whiteface and Teddy Perkins. So fuck you. Also, the 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 song that This Is America lifted may, allegedly lifted from is by a black artist. That yeah, like fuck that. that and Tumi Gant is who, who wrote, wrote and directed Blackface is a black artist. Yes. Um. So it's just it's, <coughs> it's just it's just weird. We're already talking about more than we want to. Let's talk yeah. about Blackjack. Yeah. I uh. I mean, again, you guys. Uh. You you've addressed it on a previous episode, but it was also you know Cribs definitely wanted to hear my point of view on it, and just if I could add a little extra to it. The most interesting thing about that movie, and I'll try not to be super long-winded, but it's just like Dolph Lundgren starring, John Woo directing, they both, this, this is an audio podcast you can't see, but I'm doing the, I'm doing a thing where like they, they met at different points of their career where like John Woo, even though this was a made-for-TV movie, John Woo was coming off of like Broken Arrow and Face Off and there was still more Hollywood stuff for him to do. Dolph Lundgren was kind of on the down, in terms of status, like Dolph Lundgren has always worked, but it was just like, it had been a couple of years removed since the last time he was in a, a movie that was on the big screen. That was Johnny Mnemonic, and we're talking almost over three years prior. So I just found it interesting how, like, they both met at that point. It would have been cool, maybe not the, the Blackjack vehicle, which I still was entertained by. Like they, I liked it. You know, it's, I, it's I just my, like the idea of... It's my of, favorite of his American films. Of John Woo? Yeah. Huh. 
I guess. I don't want to say that because I can be... Anyone who knows me pretty well knows I'm very biased towards Dolph Lundgren. So I don't want to, you, you know... Um, I mean, Hard Target's amazing. I haven't seen it in a long time, so I can't really say I mean, Oh, no, you know, I, I, gotta, I, I know it's cliche. I, I, I gotta go with Face. Face Off is a really Face good Face Off's movie. great. I can eat a peach all day. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Mission Impossible 2 is not like that good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, th- I think that's his... That's his American oeuvre. Oh, we have Broken yeah. Arrow, which I didn't care Broken for. Broken Arrow. Wind Talkers. Oh. Yeah. Oh. No, Wind Talkers is my favorite American John Oh, movie. you like that movie? Yeah, I do. Oh, all right. Fair enough. I, I don't know, yeah. dude. I really like that movie. I didn't know that was him. Yeah, I didn't either until I was looking up, because I was trying to just get the dates right. Wind Talkers came, obviously, well after Blackjack. Yeah. <coughs> but, um... Yeah, this was during the, this period. Dol- Dolph Lundgren... Let's go back to earlier real quick, too. Uh, post Johnny Mnemonic, pre Blackjack, Dolph Lundgren had a nice um, series of like direct to video slash. I'm sure they were released in like European theater uh, for like two week uh, kind of thing. But but uh, but I like Blackjack, and I and obviously just for those that don't know, John Cribbs is a good friend of mine, um, and I know he knows that like I love Dolph Lundgren films. He knows that I really love action films. I don't think my pedigree is up to snuff. With with a guy like Cribs and and his knowledge of like direct to video movies, but but I can hang for the most part, and I think that I think that's why I think he wanted to hear us us talk about it. Um, because for those that don't know, we, uh, Cribs, myself, and a few other folks, uh, we did a live tweet of the of two kickboxer movies uh, earlier this year, and that and that was fun. But um, I did enjoy Blackjack. It also, I mean, like we like Skin Trade, like we like Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, Skin exactly, Trade yeah, was exactly. Skin Trade was yeah, exactly was legitimately great. Yeah, and that director's legitimately great. Beautiful yeah. boxer, man. That was a good movie. Yeah, Let's make a sequel to Skin Trade, man. I think it's coming. It took a long time to get the first one, but I mean, obviously, for those who haven't seen it, the ending of Skin Trade implies that there is going to be, or that that right. there, that there's supposed to be a sequel. Um, but even get, getting into Skin Trade. I, I don't I've talked about this a bunch of times, but I just appreciate the fact that like Dolph Lundgren who can still kinda hold his own in a movie, the final showdown wasn't against the star wasn't the star versus the villain. You know, it was Tony Ja and Michael Jai White, who were both slightly younger than Dolph Lundgren and, and can move a little better. Um I definitely appreciated that. And I just also like that a movie like Skin Trade got made that I I I, lo- I wrote about skin trade. If you want to go on Pill and Empire and, and search for it, I would like to pat myself on the back. And the we, fact have, that we that, this that, is like the fourth time. We've, yeah, it, we, yeah, we're the, going the, early. Or, this early. show lo- this show yeah. loves skin trade. And I got to shout out John Cross who hooked me up with a uh, who who put put me on the skin trade. It's like the Expendables movie that like we never got because it's like outside of the three main stars. He still, you know, they still manage to get Peter Will yeah. and Ron Perlman. Who yeah, it's with all this, heavy hitters. Yeah, Ron it's Perlman at this point in his career, like, to to be in the world of the Guillermo del Toro films, and at the time to be on Sons of Anarchy, like, to still come and do like a, a kind of a pretty much directed video movie like that is is, is really cool. And also but, Michael 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 Williams Michael Michael K- J. White Michael <clears throat> J. White yeah. Um, also he played Spawn. He did first first uh, black superhero film. No. No, that's not true. No. That's not true. Yeah. Meteor Man. Yes. And but I feel like there's something before that. But, but, but we'll give we'll give Meteor like Man. Like first the, uh, black comic book. Yeah, medium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh yeah. and first serious though. First serious. That was an yeah. attempt at like let's let's I'm be saying serious. Meteor Man, I don't know if it was a comic book. I don't think it was a comic yeah, book. Yeah, it was DC. Oh. Yeah. But but 
No matter. I think. I think it was, and I think I don't think it was DC, but it it became a comic. But it was after the fact that they made a comic out of it. Right. But it was still early nineties. Oh, Mantis. Right. That's what I'm getting confused. Mantis was a legit, no. and it became a sh- oh, it was a show. He yeah. he was supposed to have a comeback directing uh, Bill Cosby's Netflix special that never came out. Yeah, no. Because he 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 did a lot of uh, famous. Um, just stuff. Period. Robert Townsend. Robert Townsend. About, yeah. But yeah, yeah, but I, I think he directed one of Eddie Murphy's specials. He directed. He did. A, he, he did, directed. He did. Um. He did Delirious. Yeah, I. You know, uh, does does not age well, as well as I thought. Some of the content doesn't age well. Some of the content is yeah. is not so nice. No. Some of it's still really very yes. funny. Yes. Yes. That, that's what I was gonna say. Some of it does. Some. <clears throat> I don't even know about aging well. It's just like. The acceptance doesn't really age age well because there's there's some if like you get the CD or the, the the album there's literally like there's a title of some of it it's like the F word like there's just, a lot uh, of, know, there's a lot there's of homophobia some, yes in that 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 is like really really aggressive yeah and I think you know someone needs to take a look in the mirror because. They give certain streetwalkers rides rides at home. That's all I was trying to do. I was just, I was, I'm just so embarrassed. I just, I mean, really, it's just you know, brother Numsy, <clears throat> brother Numsy. Ah, uh, man, that's one of my favorite ad libs when Kanye West said, "Brother Numsy." When was, when did you say that? In one in when he was when he was still making records that I liked. Ah, uh, yeah. Though to be fair, yeah. I, as I said, I still really like the Kid C Ghost record. Um, sure. Oh, do you have anything else you'd like to add to about uh, about? Uh, <coughs> Blackjack. Blackjack, which I which I said was a prequel to Get Out. Oh, right, because no, it was just a joke. Because it's like he's oh, he's yeah, afraid duh. of he's yeah, afraid yeah, yeah, of whiteness yeah, yeah. as a oh, concept. Great alley That was my uh, yeah. I like the fact that they threw that angle in in into the film. Yeah. Instead of because it's it's classic like. He could have had just like, you know, like your typical like ah, oh, we'll just glare over. Ah, oh, he has PTSD or like ah. Oh, he saw some shit when you know, and back in the day. I think that's like, I think that's some shit that like, the whole being afraid of that color. That that's some shit that would come up in like a Refn movie. Because right. for those that don't know, Refn actually really is colorblind, yeah. and he explained that's why his a lot of his recent more like half his films look the way they do because he he just wants things super bright. Um, but I I love that aspect of Blackjack, just like how his his vision is. Yeah, I say his vision's impaired, but yeah, he's just a. What's the medical term? It's not a real medical term. Oh, I thought there was. Yeah, like being afraid of like whiteness. Like I don't mm. know. I think it's just like, I mean, there is that movie Blindness. Mm-hmm. That movie where like everyone see saw white. Wait, the recent movie? Yeah. See, I'm trying not to laugh because uh, you're they talking about the movie with Julianne Moore and yeah. uh, Mark Ruffalo, yeah, and, and, Danny, and Glover Danny Glover and Gael Garcia Bernal. Yeah. <clears throat> See, so whiteness? when I saw that movie, whiteness, blindness, <clears throat> something like that, because everyone <clears throat> everyone gets blind except they all see white; yeah. they don't see black. Yeah. Some not, do. Like, there's like a small, like Julian. There's a small percentage you can see, and she wants only to be Julianne like, yeah. Moore can see. Uh, yeah. So the thing is, I saw that movie in the theater, and you, I kept you, laughing. You loved that movie. <clears throat> it's a movie that I would have made you laugh if you saw it in the theater. Because Scar- Scaramanga wrote that movie. What? Scaramanga. I'm the sure writer. Sir Menelik didn't write that movie. No, no, the the writer Jose Scaramanga. 
Sarah Manga wrote the novel that the yeah. movie was based off of, not Sir Manalee. I just think anytime Gar- Gael Garcia Bernal had the gun in his hand and was trying to like <laughs> be in charge of shit, it just kept making me laugh. Because he's this little guy, and he's blind in the movie, and he's and he's like aiming the gun. <clears throat> yeah. And it just made me laugh. Um, but yeah, oh, the visions. Well, whatever. Yeah, like that's all I wanted to comment on. Like you guys handled it well this that 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 last episode, and you alley-ooped me to just. I just wanted to comment on just the whole. I was just more interested of the exterior stuff about how John Woo and Dolph Lundgren crossed paths at a really interesting point in their career. I'd like to see them. I'd like to see John Woo do the next Expendables movie. I would like <laughs> to see John Woo do the sequel to Skin Trade. Even better. I take that back because they're yeah, still because still... Expendables Four is gonna suck. They're still and it's gonna suck too because they're still. Expendables one was good. Part two had some stuff, and part three was it. See, I'm not. I I was a little. It's like part one was eh, part two was great, mostly because of Van Damme, and part That's three true. pissed me off because I don't fuck with Mel Gibson. But what the the point I'm trying to make is though, there's still little talks of having Hulk Hogan be an Expendable. So it's like I'm out. Uh, like that. Like that. That. That's my hard. I'm offended at everything social justice warrior soy baby thing. I don't fuck with the Hulk, Hulk Hogan. I didn't for a while, and just more recently, I just I don't fuck. With I'm him. also like Mel Gibson, like Mel Gibson no, too. True. I mean, come oh, on, yeah, was this is this, this a lot of problems. Like there, there's so many no. famous people who don't do whack shit that could have been an Expendables. The biggest problem is is Frazier was a goddamn Expendable. And now it's we're, there's talks about Hulk Hogan being expendable before and Tony Jaa was Tony Jaa before yeah before Tony Jaa before Carl Goddamn yeah. Brothers before Action Jackson Predator Apollo Creed there's Carl there's Brothers. there's actual people who don't do shitty shit Don the Dragon Wilson Cynthia Rothrock Time Billy Blanks Time Mac who Time Mac you are the last dragon oh you possess sure. the rob I'm so glad they haven't made sure. a remake of that. Don't you, you just put it out in the air? So it's gonna no. They've been though. trying to make a remake of that forever, or they could just I'm make sure a, a remake that had nothing to do with it, like Superfly. Apparently, has nothing to do with the original. Nothing at all. I don't know what what are they going for. I think we should move on before something gets said. <laughs> it's it's weird that the director of City God City of God went on to make Blindness. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's him. Yeah, Fernando Mierlis. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to make one of the most important South American films and then make City of God. You got to keep talking because I'm just going to start saying mean stuff about what I know about the Superfly movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've just been watching a lot of movies. Sure. Oh, there's this great, um, like, Cthulhu family film, sort of like, like cosmic horror, family horror film called The Endless. Mm Mm-hmm. Directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, mm-hmm. who directed this film, Resolution and Spring. I don't know if you saw those. No. Um, they're on the come up. They're like, they, they direct together. They're cool. doing like horror, like, yeah, I would say like Cthulhu-ish horror stuff. Like, like this big natural energy that you're not really sure about what's going on. Mm. And and they're, they're, they're on that thing which you talked about on our Hereditary episode about how like people are elevated horror, which is bullshit. Yeah. They just make horror movies. People yeah. are calling it elevated horror because they think <coughs> that for it to be like a good movie, it has to be elevated. But I just thought it was yeah. a damn good movie. Yeah. Um, and our buddy uh, Bradley Cornish over at Four Brains One Movie actually direct uh, interviewed them this week. Right. So go listen to that because they're really cool. Because as you pointed out before on the show, that that people will always try to get you to watch the show to just be like, oh, it's like David Lynch. Yeah. 
And pe- and they they were like really honest. Like the people in one of their interviews, people were like, you know, we've been compared to David Lynch, but to be fair, like we don't we haven't really watched a lot of David Lynch. And I respect that. Yeah, I I really appreciate that honesty. Like it's okay if you haven't watched every David Lynch movie. Yes. You know. It's okay, you know, not everyone who makes weird, weird, goofy horror movies is inspired by David yeah. Lynch. And a yeah. lot of people are. But There's just so much more weirdness before David Lynch and was after. born. Like, yeah. if, if you really want to Before be and after. Him. And he's not the he's not the be-all, he's not the end-all. He's is very good. Oh, he's one but, of the yeah, greats. He's, it, it's not like we don't fucking love him on the show. It's just sure. like there's other people in there. And they, they explain that they're not purposefully obtuse and that... In their films, like, if you watch deeply, there's nothing... Everything about the mythology and the secrecy is contained in the movie. So you can, like, watch again and figure out the rules or the internal logic. And I believe that The Endless is going to be a big, a big cult film. Cool. So, and, and it has... It. You're calling it. I'm calling it... Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not the first on the bandwagon, but I finally saw it this week. It's because it's, uh, it just got released on, like, all the things. Mm-hmm. And and un- it has some. I think people will make connections to Annihilation, but it came out a year before, and I think it's better than Annihilation by by quite a lot. I wanted that to be better, but that's yeah. already been said. That uh, yeah, I think you. <coughs> I, I think that director, people love him, and I think he's okay. Yeah, I don't think he's bad. No, I don't think he's bad. I don't no. even. I think he's more than okay. I think he's good. He's fine. Yeah, I don't want to just like insult people. It's really hard yeah, to create. Yeah, 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 and like he's not a bad dude and he's no. like trying to create sci fi films that are interesting. So I don't wanna I don't wanna dismiss him or make him let you know what I'm saying? And there's enough angry people, blindly angry people in the world out there who have a podcast, who have websites, who have blogs, WordPresses, whatever, that can ju- who just Oh I suck. Like so yeah, I yeah, I I, I agree. A long time ago, <clears throat> on Pinland Empire, I decided, like, unless it really gets to me, I'm just going to write about stuff that I really like. If I have to take a jab here and there, but for the most part, it'll just be like, hey, this is stuff I either endorse, or if there's a movie that I didn't like, that I have complex feelings about, I'll write at length about it, because right. it's fun to, like, I'm still, like, I go back, I'm still very proud of, like, the words that I wrote about The Place Beyond the Pines, because it's like, that's another one where I was like, alright, this is very, very dumb. But then there's other parts. Oh, this is really excellent, and that's there the kind of thing of that, that, that I like to write about. Yeah, that yeah, that's that because because if you just go, oh, this movie sucks. Yeah, and like I try to, I I try. I'm not it's perfect. Almost three hours long. You can't. There's got to be some good right. stuff, and there are. And I'm not. Stuff. I'm not perfect, and I make mistakes, and sometimes I I make contradictions. But I, I try not to just like destroy movies unless I think that there's like something nefarious about it. Sure. Otherwise, I'm just like, all right, whatever. Sure. Um, sure. Quick, quick. Uh, you have to see Marlena the Murderer in Murderer in Four Acts by Muli Saria. I saw it yeah. last night at IFC. It's yeah. it's top five for me of the year. It's a if I give you a blurb, it's a acid western rape revenge film taking place in Indonesia. Yeah, our friends. We kind of we've got a <coughs> we got a you know a little hookup. The, the I. I'll I'll wait to the next podcast to pronounce the name correctly, but you know when we got that uh, Jeanette is the same company that put them out, so that's oh. my, that's how I got that that screen a long time ago. It was just sitting in my email, didn't realize it. It still works, so I'm gonna watch it. I'll try to watch it. <clears throat> Maybe I'll try to watch it when I'm in my. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be in Montreal next week. Um, it's so, so fucking good, and it's like quirky, it's what I'm hearing. Yeah. and it's weird, and I'm looking forward to watching it. 
and because we have so much to deal with in this episode, I'm not going to go deeper in. I'll wait until you watch it. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, we'll, and dive, we'll go uh, back. Let's dive um, deep into it. And I watched another movie, which you got to see, which will tie us into our where we're going later today in this mm-hmm. talk. I saw this movie called Summer 1993 mm-hmm. by Carla Simone, mm-hmm. and it's about um, it's a it's a it's a memoir about this girl in 1993 in the summer. Her mother dies, and she in Catalan and she goes to live with her family, her, mm-hmm. her uncle. And it was so fucking good. And okay. it was, and it was, yeah. it was, it was like the director we're going to talk about in a second, who, how they can go back into the past and tell beautiful stories and without over sentimentalizing it, <clears throat> mm-hmm. just letting the story do the sentimentality without making it overly sentimental. Right. And it was it was these two kids, it was like little kids, and they're fucking amazing. And I I highly suggest. Nice. And then, on uh, on the fumes of that, I went to I finally watched this Claire Denis film you've been trying to get me to watch for a very long time mm-hmm. called U.S. Go Home. It's a great one. Um, which is which is about the past. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, uh, Claire Denis was asked by a French television show to. To do an episode about uh, <coughs> just like their past and iconic stuff, and I think the only thing was that there had to be a dancing scene or something. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that. It was part of a series. Yeah, yeah, and like big name. Well, within uh, within that lane, big name. Like, and w- before we started recording, I was I was stopping. I was like, let me save it for the show. So one of the movies that's in that series is getting released by Criterion, which was Cold Water by Olivia Assayas, one of his early early movies. Who's also a good friend of Claire Denis. Yeah. And um, Chantal Ackerman did did an episode as oh, well. Wow. Yeah, um, I forgot the other uh, folks, but the, yeah. So for those that don't know who haven't seen it, U.S. Go Home features music by like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, and the production company that put that out just folded back in the night. So we're talking two de- two de- yeah. de- decades ago. So the paper trail and everything is very difficult to. <clears throat> the clearance the clearances on that film would be very difficult. Yeah. But I think it. I mean, I think it stands as one of her good, like great works. Oh, absolutely! It's it's an hour and seven minutes. I think um, yeah. it has it has the same brother and sister duo in Nanette and Bonnie, but thirty yeah. years earlier. Yeah. Um, it's like a rock and roll beach summer film. Yeah. But same, it's like same same actor playing a U.S. soldier, an expat U.S. soldier as well. Yeah, Vin, Vincent, Vincent Gallo. Gallo. Vincent Gallo. <coughs> in it. I you know I call it. It's like. It's like her doing like meatballs. Yeah, like, I need you to explain that. Uh, well, you know, like for you the know, listeners. like like '80s, like on the beach, got to lose our virginity sort of movie. Yeah, but what's cool is with with women, right? And that's an important young young, young girl. It's, it's uh, the the actress who plays Nanette, who's your friend, Alice Howery. She's who, great. Who I really. Who I really believe doesn't get enough love. She's incredible no. in that movie. She's incredible. In She's Nanette incredible in, in anything she does. Um, like um, she has. Uh, she's great. She has this great kind of super strong performance in Bertrand Benel as the pornographer because because that's the thing too. She's someone <clears throat> who's so nice and she'll just accept. She just likes compliments and not like I mean that in a positive way. So she'll always be associated with Claire Denis. I mean, most she was in <clears throat> you know um, Bastards, but she also worked with um, Bertrand Benello a few times also, and she also was in. Pre Blues the Warmest Color, Abdelatif Kachish's film Secret of the Grain, and she has one of the most prominent scenes at the end of that movie where she kind of has this like breakdown. So, for those listening, she's in a 
<clears throat> easily attainable films outside of just Claire Denis' movie, right. even though she's will always be associated with Claire Denis. She's in some of Claire Denis' best films, yeah. But she has work outside of that, so I just wanted to throw that. But up. like her, her br- the 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 actor who plays her brother, Gregor yeah, Colleen, Colleen, yeah, like um, has all has, was also in a bunch of her movies as well. And, oh yeah, uh, the anger he he portrays in in this and in and Bonnie is just so genuine, just like this angry dude, and like the. <clears throat> I really loved, like, there's a scene where he's just, like, doing the Watusi and, like, all these old dance moves. Yeah. And it's, like, super deliberate. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like the, the, the they live fight, but about the uncertainty of adolescence. Yeah. It's like, it's, like, what I wanted every episode of old, old school Degrassi to be. Sure. Because old, old school Degrassi, not, not the Drake Degrassi, the old, old 80s, yeah, no, 90s Degrassi was a good show. <clears throat> But I'm like, oh, well, like, Kevin Smith directed episodes of Degrassi the next episode. He did not do the same. Like, imagine if Claire Denia did an episode of Degrassi, and I don't have to, because mm-hmm. this is what you it was it. like. Yeah, totally. And just, it just reminded me, um, many years ago, me and my friends ate uh, weed brownies in Prospect Park, mm-hmm. and we listened to Bitches Brew on a stereo cassette player. Oh, wow. And my buddy started doing this weird, like, handstand yogic interpretive dance that just wow. really made sense at the time, mm-hmm. you know? Sometimes someone will do something, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I see you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Gregoire's dance in, in U.S. Go Home reminded me of that. It always reminds me of uh, Chris Parker's dance in Jarmusch's um, Permanent Vacation. Um yeah. Yeah. Have you? Oh my God! Before I forget, have you seen Rita, Sue, and Bob too? Maybe. It's it's like maybe Alan Clark's nicest film. Have you seen the new Gus Van Zant movie? Uh, no. I'll I'll I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Um, he I love Gus Van Zant, but recently I don't know. But Rita and Sue and Bob too. It's literally, <clears throat> it's more feature length, but it's right. about these two girls who are trying to lose their virginity. And it's also based on, uh, parts of it are based on a true story. And it came out a few years earlier than U.S. Go Home. It's very similar. I and mean, both movies start with these two young girls hitchhiking right. in the backseat with this guy, with this much older guy who's trying to like, to, it's it's really un- uncanny. But beyond that, the movies are very different. Right. But still, like, working class European, one being English, one being French. But I think you would absolutely love Rita, Sue, and Bob, too. And there's also, if you see that, there's a documentary attached to that as well called The Arbor. But anyway... You were about to say something? I was, but then I got confused. Oh, how to say confused? <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, um, yeah, it's just like, uh, like, just like, uh, young love and disappointment and just like yeah. having crushes on people and unrequited and, and young anger. It's, uh, yeah. it's interesting because like Vincent Gallo, some of his best performances are in Claire Denis movies. A thousand percent. Like, this is a one of his better performances, and his performance in Ned and Bonnie, while subdued and not very long, yeah, is really good. It comes in spurts. He's here and there. <clears throat> He's I also, probably in the movie for like five minutes. Total, absolutely. I love how unapolog- unapologetically American Fitz and Gallo is in U.S. Go Home. Where right. He's like, my name's Alan. He's like, Alan, Al, here, have a Coca Cola. Have a Coca Cola. He's ex- his extra like Buffalo accent. You know, like, hey, don't hit my car. Don't He's hit very, my car. Uh, I guess. We're Dennis Farina, Chicago now. That's quite different from Buffalo, but whatever. I think you guys... Get, he's very American. It's weird, because, like, Dennis Farina's the dopest dude, and he was also, yeah. like, a cop, and he was also born on a leap year. 
Oh wow. He's born yeah. February 29th. So he had like 10 he had he had like 12 birthdays. Nice. He's also just like I'm a guy who I'm sure you do. Maybe not as much as me, but I love Michael Mann. And he was with, with the exception of the Jericho Mile, he was with Michael Mann from, like, the ground floor. He was, like, because he was, Michael Mann kind of started in Chicago, he was, like, a gun, like, action consultant for Michael Mann. Right. And Michael Mann, it, it's, it's, it's really similar <clears throat> to the relationship between Kubrick and Arlie Ermey. Only difference is Michael Mann kept Dennis Farina around, you know, forever, whereas, like, Michael Mann liked Dennis Farina so much, he actually put him in Thief. He He's one of the guys, he's one of the henchmen at the end of Thief. And then he worked with Michael, one of the few actors to be associated with Michael Mann's television career and film career. But, you know, yeah. Also, um, rest in peace, Vader. Yeah, man. Rest in peace, Vic Van Vader. Um, the, the rest Leon White. <clears throat> yeah. Who, for those that don't know, also uh, born and raised in Compton, California. Really? Yeah, yeah. He moved to Colorado, like, in his later years. Like, he was always billed from Colorado, but he was born, went to school in Compton, California. He was he was friends with Dr. Dre. Uh, no. that See, he's always been... And this is also... I don't want to give him credit for just, like, being just, this is how you should be. But I think when it comes to, like, a lot of times when you look at, like, young kids who start racism... You know, a lot of times it's blamed on, oh, I was a white kid, I got picked on by the black kids. Which, because I was looking reverse, when you look, like, by those standards, I feel like people from our parents, like, black people from our parents' generation, like my parents, then that would have been an open pass to just hate all white people because of all the shit that happened to them, but they didn't. And what I'm getting at is Leon White, a.k.a. Vader, always talked about how, yeah, he got picked on, he got beat up because he's the only white, he would always say, I'm a fat white kid growing, walking to and from school in Compton, California, but... He never held it, like, he never used it as an excuse to be racist towards black people, which was part of the reason why Ron Simmons became the first main world black champion, and it's it's sometimes overlooked that Ron Simmons beat Vader, like, Vader put Ron Simmons over. So in 1994, when Ron Simmons became the first black world heavyweight champion, it's because Vader was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he can beat me, and that's, you know. Because it's, you know, at the end of the day... What all these films and life teaches you is just try not to be shitty. Yeah. <clears throat> like, you know, just try not to be shitty. Just try try to remember the times that you've that you've struggled and the people who have helped you get up. Yeah. And try to remember the people that have given you a slice of pizza when you were hungry. Sure. You know, um I've been listening to the Beanie Siegel album The Becoming a lot lately. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I was, you know, I did that walk in Philly, so, mm-hmm. like, I was listening to Philadelphia music. And there's so many good one-liners on that record. Of course. Uh, I and think that's... Said, that's Siegel's a, he, he's a great... He's great with words. Yeah, and I think that's his best record. Mm-hmm. And he has this line where he's like... Which just, like, is my favorite line. It's not, like, the best line, but it's just so dope because I love it. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, you can't, you can't get full off peanut chews. And I just love it because I just love peanut chews. But I'm like, I understand. I know like what it's like to buy those five cent peanut chews and like when you're hungry. Fuck, that reminds me. <clears throat> my number one favorite, just out of context, or my favorite line in a rap song, is Ghostface on uh, Cuban Links on Rainy Days when he says, "I gotta get mine." Like my old Earth blessed the cheese line. Like that's a hard ass line. Yeah. Because it's not the most obscure esoteric verse, but growing up in the town of Amherst, Massachusetts, which is mostly white. And there, there are struggling people, but for the most part, I don't think people knew, I think, I know for a fact, 
I remember feeling blessed to know exactly what he meant because I spent my first seven years in Queens, so the whole turn old earth with its relation to the 5%, right. and also the whole idea of a cheese line. Government Pe- cheese. People in Amherst didn't know what that meant. So I remember at, at lunch, overhearing certain people, even pe- even even the few other students of color that went to Amherst Regional High School, trying to dissect that line, and I remember being... And I remember, for various reasons, we don't have to go into it, but I do remember being like, he's just saying, like, he needs to get you know, sustenance, whether it be money or whatever, like his mother, who had to go to the government cheese line, and I tried to explain that to my friends, and they were like, shut up, that doesn't make any sense, but a lot of that happened to me growing up, from being the first person in my school to be like, hey, there's this group called Wu-Tang Clan, Wu-Tang Clan, that's a stupid-ass name, who the fuck listens to that, and a few months later, everyone loved Wu-Tang, and then I was like, I tried to tell you about, shut up, no you didn't, Yeah, I, like, I was okay. I was made fun of for liking Black Star, and then everyone loved Miss Fat Booty. The- this I is was, how it works. Artifacts was another group. Not not that they got bit, but I was like, Artifacts is awesome. But you sound like you want to say something. But to tie it all, to tie it yeah, all, yeah, yeah, to yeah. tie it all up. Yeah. There's another line by I for it's it's not Beanie Siegel, but it's another rapper on the record, mm-hmm. and it's just like sort of how we treat each other. And I just want us to do better. He says, you know, life's a bitch. People give you roses when you're dead, but don't give you soup when you're sick. Why? And I was like, I just, you know, when like a line is just so profound that you yeah. have to, like, it's it's not complicated, but I'm like, yo, we gotta give soup to people when they're sick. Yeah. Al Capone guns don't argue. 